CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. It says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me as well, and we are previewing the Michigan Michigan State game. We have lots of preview content that's already up and more coming over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. And if you missed our Minnesota Takeaways episode, got a lot of strong feedback on that one, but you can check it out uh, pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe. We get we do a basketball rec- podcast uh, and a recruiting podcast as well uh, with our whole staff over at the Michigan Insider. And so, yeah, you can... You can get your your fix, no matter what you're into the most. Uh, we probably have a podcast for you. We probably have articles for you. So this episode, we're going to stick to the same formula we did last week with the Minnesota game. So we have our over-unders and our game prediction at the end. Uh, we also are going to do players to watch. Um, Michigan should be worried about blank. And I have a hunch that blank. So last week, part of the reason why we're sticking to it is uh, that was a pretty darn good prediction episode. Uh, if you go back and listen, I mean, you know, my hunch was that Minnesota's defense wasn't going to be any good. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember what Steve got right, but but he did do well in the over-under, so clearly he got a good amount right. So anyway, Steve, uh, we've actually seen both teams play now, Michigan and Michigan State, so so this may be um, an informed discussion, but, but real quick, Real quick, if we could, well, actually, we'll talk about this in a moment. I was going to ask about what you thought of Michigan State in general, but but if you, we can jump into the players to watch right now. Yep. Uh, who is an offensive player you're keeping an eye on, and then who is a play, on Michigan, and then who is a defensive player that that either and players to watch for those at home that can be someone we expect to have a big game, someone that needs to have a big game, maybe not necessarily in this matchup, but in some of the other matchups, someone that, that you're kind of circling, like that's, that's a player. I might spend a few plays just looking at what he does as opposed to necessarily where the ball is. So now that uh, it's, I, I am going to go with Milton just because I'm most interested to see if Michigan's play calling differs at all from what they did against Minnesota. Uh, I thought I loved how Michigan, you know, we went, we wondered last week going into the game, would Michigan let Milton rip, rip it from the get go to get him going, or was it maybe more of a rhythm type situation? Definitely felt like the latter, you know, I think Michigan gave him some easy throws, get him comfortable, get him warmed up. And uh, again, they never, but the thing is they never really like truly let him, open it up. I think that was by design. I think it's because they didn't really need to at the end of the day. So I'm really going to be watching Milton on Saturday. I, you know, Michigan state lost to Rutgers. I get that. I I do think Michigan state's defense is probably going to be maybe a little bit more of a challenge than Minnesota, Minnesota, at least in the front seven for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I think he's going to have a little bit more of a challenge ahead of him there in, in maybe utilizing some patience 
staying in the pocket, which when he was given a simple drop back or, or, a, or a step up in the pocket situation, I thought he excelled uh, greatly on Saturday. See if he can do it again against a rival. And uh, yeah, so not really, I don't call it a cop out, but you know, all eyes are always on the quarterback, but I really am kind of interested to see what Milton looks like, what they do with him more off, you know, you know, they really defenses are going to have a hard time. I think, you know, would you see all the different looks that Michigan gave Minnesota with how they used Milton, whether it was in the running game, the read stuff, the different types of passes. I mean, it was pretty fascinating to watch. So um, I'll go with Milton. I'm going to go with, well, I thought about doing a receiver, but, but just thinking about like the different think, trying to put myself in the coach's shoes, like who, who might a coach be circling? I'm very intrigued about Chris Evans. Uh, you know, they had all four running backs played. Uh, you know, clearly they're going to spread those carries out. I, I don't think anyone had more than eight carries in that game. Granted, they didn't run a ton of plays. I think it was only like 56 offensive snaps or whatever. But, um, you know, they, they spread it around both in the passing game and the receiving game. But I think, I think Evans, I think Michigan would really, really like Evans. I think they really like the idea of him having, um, you know, a true bounce back season, not always oh, on the team, but a true season where he is engaged, involved. I mean, he can help that running back core, right. From a, from a talent shiftiness, um, you know, start, stop acceleration, avoiding tackles and also experience. And so while I don't think he'll be Michigan's leading rusher this season, I, I don't think he'll be, you know, the, the head ball carrier, um, you know, based on how they used to Haskins, he might not even be necessarily the number two and Blake Corum looked pretty good himself, but I think he's someone that like this, this seems to me like a game where they're, they, they want to reward and, and, you know, help Evans have kind of the season they want him to have in a game like this, where I think he could, you know, pretty much, I mean, he could be a, a big play threat in several ways, several times throughout the game. And so I agree with you. I think Michigan state's defense, I, I expect it to be better than Minnesota's defense. Uh, same time. They're losing a lot of starters from last season's team that gave up what? 44 points to, to Michigan and had Shea Patterson looking like, I mean, that was maybe his best game ever. 389 yards, four touchdowns. So I think they're going to be able to have some flexibility in, in what they do and how they, cycle in different players offensively. And I think, I mean, you got to think Evans, he's, he's been around long enough. I mean, he was there back when the rivalry wasn't uh, maybe a, a so-called lopsided affair. And so I uh, got to think this is a game where he, he really, really wants to kind of make an impression. I'm sure Michigan does too. I mean, there's only eight games and um, you know, he, while he did, he, he had to miss a season right? He had to miss a season for, for his actions. He did work his way back. And so I think, I feel like maybe the Minnesota game, because it was his first game in 18 months. I, I, I wonder if they were kind of hesitant to necessarily give him the ball a ton, although he did score a touchdown and had what, 20, 30 yards of offense. I think this is a game where they end up giving him the ball more uh, defensive side of the ball, Steve. I'll go with Vince Gray. Actually, seems like the consensus is that Jamon Green may have actually played Michigan's best game at cornerback 
uh, last week yeah, against I, Minnesota, right? I felt that way. I'm always hesitant, you know, because the receiver discrepancy yes. between who is guarding who. I mean, that's something to keep in mind, but, but I saw Green he, on Bateman. I was just going to say, well. yeah. yeah. So he he passed his test. Not that Gray, like, you know, I thought Michigan's defense was was fine uh, for the most part, especially in the pass, passing aspect. Uh, but the uh, Reed for Michigan State. So he had one of the more roller coaster games I've ever seen any player have. Right. Um, he ended with like 11 catches, I think. 11 catches, 128 yards, and two touchdowns. Yes. So he also had two fumbles lost. And I want to say one of the interceptions that Lombardi threw, uh, he ran a go route when he was supposed to run an out route. That ended up getting picked off. He actually made the same mistake twice in that game. The first time the Rutgers receiver went along with him on the go route. The second time the, the defender read it and picked the pass off. So you could argue he was responsible for three turnovers uh, in that game. Hmm. That being said, definitely looks like a guy that could give Michigan some problems uh, after the ball's in his hands. So I think Gray's going to have his work cut out for him. Again, this guy's not as good as, Rashad Bateman is, but not somebody I would gloss over by any means. I mean, and Michigan State definitely, the with the way that they didn't run the ball against Rutgers at all, or successfully anyway, you got to think this is a guy they're going to try to feed and let him try to make some plays in open space. So uh, definitely going to be a guy to watch. I think Gray may be the guy most suited to match up with him, but who knows? I mean, it could be just a rotation or they'll just – whatever side the guy's on, but I, I do think that Gray will be matched up against him a lot. Interested to see if he, uh, you know, just has a good game. I wouldn't even call it a bounce back. Cause I don't really think he played poorly by any means. Yeah. That's uh, kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I was trying to, I was almost setting it up. Like he needed to like bounce back, but I don't think that's what it is. I just want to see how he plays against another guy that, uh, yeah, he made a couple of mistakes, but, but he does look like a really quality receiver in the big time. He does. Yeah. And I mean, former, I think Western Michigan was his yes. original school. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to play a big role for them. You know, I think more than the 128 yards and two touchdowns, I think the 11 catches that tells you what kind of, um, trust that, uh, Rocky Lombardi has, has built with Reed and, and how much Michigan state, I mean, they, they kind of lost some offensive pieces. And so, um, yeah, I mean that's that's someone that they're going to go to. By the way, you watched it. I I didn't watch the game. I was in Minnesota prepping for for the Michigan game. Uh, what's up with Elijah Collins? Great question. The announcers were talking about it early. It was the talk on Twitter early in the game. Um, you know, Hayward got the start. I thought Simmons was their most in the box score backs it up, but I thought Simmons was definitely a true freshman was their most effective back. Uh, Collins got in, but was did like nothing. I mean, he didn't, he didn't look the same as he did last year, just on a, from the limited snaps that he took. Uh, I don't know what the reasoning is behind it. I, I, uh, I think I want to say Tucker had mentioned that Hayward had quote earned the starting nod, which some took as a, some kind of deal that maybe Collins was in the doghouse a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, either way, he wasn't effective when he came in. Um, right. Nine carries for three yards. Yeah. Which is, not good. I mean, we know their offensive line is maybe their weakest unit on the team, uh, but either way, I mean, he was, you could argue he was their best player last year, or he was one of them for sure, less, at least offensively. Um, so, no, 
it was just a topic of conversation that the, the gist of it sounds like that Hayward just earned it. So whether he's in the doghouse or what, I, but again, I, I would suspect that Simmons will be the guy that sees the most. I mean, he was definitely the most effective for sure. And looked just yeah. like the best back for them. So, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, looking at the box score, they had 50 yards rushing and 43 of them were from Simmons. So it's, uh, I was just curious. Cause I'm, I'm, Anyway, the the point I'm getting to, I think this is going to be an Aiden Hutchinson game. You know, I think you know last week Quiddy Pay, I think Pro Football Focus called him their Player of the Week. Uh, two sacks, three tackles for loss in that fourth quarter. I mean, he could have had if, if Minnesota had passed more. I feel like Quiddy Pay could have had like four or five sacks. Um, you know, he was kind of getting to do whatever he wanted. I think. I think Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, he had a pretty good game himself. He had like the what we've discussed on this podcast before is kind of the classic Aiden Hutchinson game where he's the quarterback scared, scared of him um, and, you know, has to run away. Lots of quarterback hurries, lots of quarterback pressures, but maybe not quite getting all the way to the sack. But, you know, Hutchinson uh, grew up in the state of Michigan, you know, obviously a Michigan legacy so, you know, he, this is, this is an important rivalry to him. He's got friends on the other team. Uh, and I got to think Michigan state, you know, I, I know there's, there's always the hypothesis is that if one defensive end for Michigan gets a sack or two, then the other one must be double teamed. But I, I, I cannot fathom Michigan state isn't circling quitty pay a little bit harder now. And, and Hutchinson's still getting circled, but I, I, I think this is a game where he feeds. Plus, I think he's uh, he and Pay are both really good against the run. But I could see, I mean, if Michigan State could only run for 50 yards against Rutgers, I know Rutgers has some good linebackers and they have a new look defensive line. But man, you got to think Hutchinson's going to feed in this kind of matchup. I I agree. Anyway, I was, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I mean. I, I think I wrote the other day. I just I thought Michigan State tried running the ball too much in certain instances. I mean, it just wasn't working at all. Uh, their calling card, and again, based on Rutgers, is and this is kind of what you probably suspect anyway, just because the, the matchup up front seems so lopsided in Michigan's favor. A lot of Max protect short passes to their athletes on the edge to try to get get something going to open other things up. I suspect that's what they try to do. I just mm-hmm. can't see them having much success uh, trying to run the football. I was going to say in the inside the tackles as outside the tackles either. I just it's seems like a lopsided matchup in that regard. It does, it does. And wh- one other thing, I, I the other player I was thinking of was maybe uh, Michael Barrett. Just the the one thing that I was, I mean, I still am surprised Minnesota doesn't do this more. I get, I get, it's not really PJ Flex game, but uh, really don't use their tight ends very much and Michigan state does. I know they have to replace, I think they're top two tight ends from last season, but um, you know, do they try to knowing what Barrett can do as a pass rusher, you know, do they try to get Barrett or, or, you know, whoever is hanging out covering the slot and covering kind of that part of the field, just try to get them in coverage, maybe take some pressure off of the pass rush. Plus you got to think if Michigan's pass rush, is similar to last week's Michigan state's going to be looking to pass quicker than they did against Rutgers. But anyway, next 
segment. Michigan should be worried about blank. So, Steve, you're going to go first. I have I have a couple ideas, but you saw Michigan State play last season or last week. Is there anything Michigan should be worried about in this matchup? Hmm. Worried? Um, oh, boy. I, I just, Maybe that uh, – I don't know. Milton still maybe could make a few mistakes. I I don't know. Uh, it, it it's hard to pinpoint one like area where going into this game on paper and based on what we saw last week that Michigan should be like on like extra guard about. Uh, I I don't look. I would my answer definitely would not be that they need to be worried about overlooking Michigan State. I mean, most of these guys know where this rivalry was three or four years ago uh, and are aware, you know, also probably in a shortened season that Michigan state's going to play this game as their super bowl uh, as they kind of do every year. Uh, so I don't know, maybe that they make a couple Michigan got a guard against making a couple mistakes early to give Michigan state some life. I suppose I, that, that's really about the only thing I can, but from a strict matchup standpoint, not, not particularly, uh, you know, maybe read, but again, uh, I, I just not really, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in that same boat. I, I do think Michigan should be on guard, maybe not worried about, um, Michigan state's front seven. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think it, you know, looking at last week's game, it's so easy to be like, well, they lost to Rutgers. The conversation is over. That's when I saw the um, the score alert, you know, in, in TCF Bank Stadium, that was my first reaction was, okay, they lost to Rutgers. So that there's like, there's no possible way Michigan will lose to Michigan State. That was my first reaction. And, and so, but I do think Michigan State has a, has a, you know, you mentioned Reed. I think they've got a good front seven. It's, it's certainly an above average front seven. And where that, where that plays a role, is in the sense that is Michigan going to be pushed into some third and longs? You know, I think I can pull up the stats, but I think last week Michigan only had like what six third downs, period. Yeah. And so and and they only had a punt once. So like third and long, yeah, they had seven third down situations. And I'd have to go back and go play by play, but I, I don't remember too many third and tens they just got to take a shot downfield or punt you know it seemed like seemed like Michigan was able to do you know not not whatever it wanted offensively but whatever the next rung is most of the vast majority of what it wanted to do I mean offensively they were three missed field goals away from scoring on 10 straight possessions I mean it's right it's kind of hard not to say they putting up 50 56 on a yeah yeah I mean (laughs) yeah against a team that a program that won 11 games last year. Uh, what right. do you, whatever you want to say about Minnesota's defense, but still, um, I agree. I, I, it's just looking back at what Michigan did on Saturday. I just wonder, you know, if their front seven is good and like Michigan is such a threat, both vertically and horizontally now on the field with all the different looks they showed. I just, it's going to be interesting to see if Michigan state, what they do differently or what they try to do. Uh, special packages or anything yeah. to try to to try to combat it because man, it's like 
I just can't get over how, how much of a best case scenario Minnesota really looked like for Michigan offensively, because it's like, pick your poison. Uh, and they didn't even throw the ball deep either. That's, and that's arguably Milton's greatest strength is his ability to throw the ball vertically down the field. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, you know, but I agree. I mean, it's it's probably right to say that Michigan State's strongest unit is probably the one that would give Michigan the most concern. So, yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned I I I agree with you. I think Milton's biggest strength is his ability to throw vertically. I I do wonder. I mean, until until we see, I guess that's the um, caution with the unknown, right? I mean, you know, Michigan didn't have to throw on a third and ten situation. I think the one time they did, it was the only sack Michigan gave up all night. And so, you know, until, until I see it, you know, that's a part of me that wonders, okay, is that something Michigan needs to be on guard for? Cause, because I mean, Minnesota's defensive front, they returned one starter from an okay defensive front last season. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Big 10 average Michigan state, you know, they, they lost some of their big starters, right? Willikis, um, uh, Williams, you know, Bocce, although I don't think he played in the Michigan game, nope. but they lost some multi-year starters, but you know, I've, I've seen Klein, Harvey, Antoine Simmons. Uh, I know you learned who Beasley was yesterday. He, I had him like penciled in on one of my scouting reports before. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a group that Naquan Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a veteran group. I don't see a lot of underclassmen in that group. Um, it will at least test the offensive line and, and test the run game. Rutgers didn't run particularly well. Um, it's a test. And I don't know if I'd put, I don't know if I'd swing, you know, seven points in Michigan state's favor for it or anything, but, uh, something I've got my eye on. So anyway, next one, I have a hunch that blank. So this is one where, uh, you know, you can, you know, there might still be a stat that backs it up, but it's something that we just kind of looking at the matchup, our our gut feeling on kind of what we think might happen. Steve, heading into this matchup, you have a hunch that blank. Uh, I have a hunch that Michigan is going to run the ball down Michigan State's throat consistently. I think I actually have a hunch that mid the interior of Michigan's offensive line, which played, which passed their first test, I believe will pass their second test against a better, you know, we just talked about the front seven guys like Naquan Jones, um, Antoine Simmons, Noah Harvey. Uh, I think their interior of that line will pass the second test. And I think Michigan will have a simp will have similar success with a, I can't even call it King Ghidra. They have four heads on this running back uh, monster or whatever you want to call it. I, I, th- I just think they're going to have similar success across the board um, attacking Michigan State in a variety of ways in the running game. I am actually just more for fun uh, because I don't have a I don't have a great one. I'm actually going to go in the opposite direction. I think Michigan, I think the game will be close because Michigan doesn't have its way in the run game in the first half. I think, I think eventually, I think you're right. I think the, uh, you know, we, I, I was really impressed with Chuck Filiaga's game. I think Andrew Vistardis won the team's offensive lineman of the week award, you know, Stuber and, you know, 
looked pretty good on his own. Zach Zinter got in there. I, I agree. I think eventually Michigan's run game is going to win out, but I think, I think there's going to be maybe not panic, but I think there's going to be some uh, seat grabbing in that first half, because I think as much as everyone talks about, Oh, Rutgers beat Michigan state by 11 points. Rutgers ran for less than two and a half yards per carry. And they ran for 106 yards on 41 carries. And I, I think Michigan is significantly better in the run game than, than Rutgers is. But I, I think, I think that's something, I think that was a Minnesota thing as much as it was a Michigan thing in terms of how easily they ran the ball. I think this is a a running game that's still developing plus, and I, I I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to pick on the run game here, but Michigan ran for 256 yards last week. 135 of them came on two broken plays, which they earned, right? Michigan, Michigan played those games, but, but (laughs) You know, I think I think if 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 <laughs> man, now you got me rattled. But Sorry. I think if you I think if you look at them, I think there was some serious issues that Minnesota probably was looking at film like, don't do that, don't do that. You know, and so then so I'm always, I mean, Charbonnet and Haskins, I think they'll run for more big plays this year. Neither of them had a run for more than forty five yards last season. So I'm kind of looking at it like I think the run game was solid. I think they passed their test. I agree with that. I don't know if I'm quite in the, oh yeah, they'll run it down a top 25-ish run defense's throat this season. I do think the passing game will have a field day. We'll sure. get to that in a moment. But um, I think the I think the rushing game, Michigan State's run defense is going to keep the game somewhat close early on. That's my hunch. You can come yell at me afterward. Uh, next, oh, Let's pause for a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be back with over-unders and our game predictions in just a moment. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. And welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So we have these over-unders. These come from our good friend Neil via Azul on the message board. And last week, Steve, you you definitely got the better end of the matchup. So we did 15 last week. We have 12 this week. Uh, you got eight of them correct. I got five of them correct. So we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna need a big week this week. On offense, we have six of them. Joe Milton with 284.5 yards of passing and rushing. Steve, passing and rushing. I'll say over. I yeah. think he. I think he. Yeah, I think he does enough there. Uh, like I said, I, I think Michigan's going to let him open it up a little bit more on Saturday. I think we'll see a couple more big plays in the passing game than we did against Minnesota. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. The one thing is you start to wonder the gamesmanship if Michigan views this game as a game that they probably will win 
with the vanilla. That's always the hypothesis, the right. vanilla playbook, right? With Indiana looming. That said, I mean, you know, not this is not a slight at, at Shea Patterson, but I think his best career game was against Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken, last season. Yes. And that and Michigan State's lost a lot of defensive uh, standouts from that game. And so um, I'm going to take the over. I, I think I think this is a game where Milton, you know, again, we'll see what the play calling is. But I, I mean, he, you know, he could absolutely throw for 300 yards. And plus you add in the rushing. Um, you know, I know Ben McDaniels talked about it this week that he wants to see Milton take a little bit more, uh, I guess, seriousness to the rushing plays that they have you know instead of kind of jogging early on you know hit it go so i could see that being something that they want to get some game reps in so i'm going to take the over on that number two 149.5 combined rushing yards for haskins and charbonnet i'm guessing we're going to disagree on this one but steve oh boy i mean we're talking you're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 plus just between three players um yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go under just because I think Michigan is going to really spread it thin again uh, or spread it out as far yes. as rushing the ball. Yeah. So I'm going to actually go under just because you, you talked about Evans earlier. Uh, Corum looked legitimate running the football. I, I just I'll go under just because I think it'll be more of a team effort than uh, those two guys. Yeah, I'm going to say under. You guys heard what I had to say about I, th- I, I don't think Michigan's run game is going to struggle. I, I think it will struggle slightly more than maybe one would think heading into the matchup. Uh, next one, four and a half receptions by the running backs. Steve? Under. I think the yeah, receiver, that's... I think the receivers get more involved this week and tight ends still. I feel like that's a high number. I agree. That was uh, I mean, I'm positive. trying to think. That, I mean, it, Via does his research, right? Neil does his research. But um, let's see. Last week, Blake Corum had two. Uh, Chris Evans had one. I guess you, you know, does Ben Mason count? I count him as a tight end. So I, yeah, I was only three last week. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the receivers get more involved. Um, but I guess we'll see. I mean, that's that one's a tough one because you could probably flip a coin. Uh, you know, cause we don't, we can't look at the stats and say, Oh, Michigan will do this. You know, that's, that's more kind of gut feeling. Number four, nine and a half players with at least one reception. So last week they got to nine as memory serves. Uh, yes, they had nine Cornelius Johnson. Didn't get one. Um, I think Eric all was the only tight end to get one. You know, Charbonnet and Haskins didn't have one. So, so there is opportunity to go higher. Do they do they go higher in this game? No, I'll say under. That's just nine is a lot to begin with last week. Um, really, and Ronnie Bell didn't even get involved until late, it felt like. Uh, right. I'll say under. I mean, yeah, there are a few guys out there. You could, be, could see like Schoonmaker and uh, maybe get a reception or two. Um, the running backs you mentioned, but. If I'm already going under on the running backs making four receptions, I'm probably going to go under on nine different receivers. So I'm going to take the over. Partly, I need to make up some ground. Um, I also do think this is going to be, I mean, if this game goes the way you and I 
I think we're on the same page, anticipate this game going, they're going to have a chance to spread the ball around. I think, you know, one other thing is they probably want Milton to develop a little bit of passing chemistry with, with several players. And so, plus if Cade McNamara gets in, do they, do they want him to complete some passes after going over three last week? I think it gets spread around 10 is 10 is a lot. Uh, but I, I think, I mean, that's always been Jim Harbaugh's thing, at least since he got to Michigan is he loves getting the ball to a bunch of different players. Um, I think they get there. I think there's room for 10, six receivers. I imagine all six will get targets plus McCurry and, and Sheenley. You got at least two tight ends. You know, we'll see with, without the travel roster, can they add maybe a Matthew Hibner since it does nothing to his eligibility? Um, you know, running backs mentioned for them. So I think there's room for it. 79.5 rushing and receiving combined for true freshmen last week. Well, they must've been around there, <laughs> but you know, we saw uh, AJ Henning saw Blake Corum saw Roman Wilson all get pretty involved. Do they get up to 80 yards rushing and receiving combined? Uh, I'm going to go with the over. Actually, I mean Roman Wilson already is, looks like he's like a starter. Yeah, and yeah, he I does. and I wrote earlier this week. I just man Henning, because Corum and and Wilson got most of the talk. I feel like because because Wilson did start, um, and and Corum made the big play to begin the game. But man, if AJ Henning gets in the open field, I I think Michigan might. I think he might. He could have a game on Saturday. I, I just I loved. What I saw out of him, I talked about the screen game on the outside being even a, such a huge weapon for Michigan this year because they have elite athletes, a multitude of them now they can get the ball to in those situations. And Milton has such velocity on the ball yes, that he can get yes, that he can get it to him even quicker to give them that that half second to breathe read the cut or read the, read the blocking and then make a play, you know? And so I'm actually going to go over, I mean, it could be, yeah. I mean, I'm actually going to go hard over. I, I think Michigan's got really got something with these three guys and I think they're going to keep using them and keep using them. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think your last sentence was exactly what I'd say. I think, I mean, all three look like, you know, let me, let me, bruise my back by patting myself on the back a little bit more, but I felt like all three had the speed to be instant impact players and, and they absolutely looked the part last Saturday. You know, it's, it's kind of weird because I'm saying they'll throw it to 10 different players. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see how they spread the ball around, but yes, I, I think the true freshmen, um, I almost feel like they can build off last week. I don't think last week was the exception. I think they're going to be able to, you know, now that they know kind of what they look like and Henning, you know, I, I think he only had what, one catch and one rush, but man, he turned on those afterburners when he's getting around the corner on that one snap. And it was like, Oh, okay. Okay. He's got, he's got that in his back pocket too. Uh, next one, final offensive one, 0 0.5 Paul Bunyan poses by a Michigan player after a touchdown. So this was Donovan people's Jones thing. I don't know if other players, emulated it i i gotta think no i i don't know i mean I, unless unless i'm mistaken and ronnie bell did one last year um 
got to think, I mean, I don't know. That's just a, do they do one or not? I'm going to say no. I say under as well, actually. I think this is Donovan's thing. So, yeah. I do wonder if a defensive player gets a pick six or scores a touchdown because defensive t- touchdown celebrations are always, I always think they're, they're more wild cards because they don't really know what to do. <laughs> you know, I don't know if, if necessarily like Vincent Gray's like, Oh, if I score a touchdown, I'm, I'm doing this post. So they might just do the first one that comes to mind. And that could be Paul Bunyan, but no, it's, I'm going to say no defense. Special teams miscellaneous five and a half sacks and tackles for loss. I'm going to assume tackles for sacks count as tackles for loss. So five and a half tackles for loss by Michigan's defensive line. seems like an easy over Steve, your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems almost a little low given again, like I said, I mean, like I got to watch it as like Michigan state's offensive line just, you know, granted, I, I know Jordan Reed opted out. I don't remember if they had a second guy who was projected to start that opted out, but I mean, they were, they're already shorthanded anyway. And right. They just did not, you know, they looked like they had miles to go on Saturday and you can't expect them to pull a 180 and fix all of that in a matter of a week. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, thanks for the easy money, Neil. Uh, this one, this one's easy. No, but actually last week I just looked it up. Do you, do you know offhand how many tackles for loss Rutgers had last week? The whole defense? I don't. 12. Oh, wow. That was more than I would have guessed, honestly. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, granted, a lot of those, they have a pretty good linebacker group. So a lot of those came from the linebackers. But um, man, I, I, I can't even, I can't wrap my head around Michigan not getting five and a half or six six or more tackles for loss from its defensive line. Uh, so I, I hope after talking about how easy that one was. <laughs> yeah, that it doesn't come back to bird. <laughs> right. I mean, but really, though, if Rutgers is getting 12 as a unit, Michigan up front, which, again, we might probably would argue is the biggest mismatch in this game or is Michigan on the edge defensively against Michigan. Yeah, six tackles. I agree. Gotta, gotta think that they can beat that number. Next one, which will be higher, Michigan State's net rushing yards or Michigan State's penalty yardage? Whew. That's a that's some subtle shade from our good friend Via. Because last week, I have to assume they had more penalty yards than rushing yards. They had 50 rushing yards. And as a team, they had oh, where is it? It's 52 penalty yards. So <laughs> It's a fair question. I, uh, you know what? I'm going to take the penalty yards actually, because I, I think, I mean, this rivalry isn't there always like one or two kind of roll your eyes, 15 yard penalties. We're like, did they need to do that? You know, not, not, not necessarily like against the fighting. I think that's part of what makes it fun, but like maybe like a Ben Mason type penalty last week where <laughs> they just don't stop. And so, I'm going to take the penalty yards, actually. I'll go rushing. That's just, I, I yeah, I think it could be either one, but, man, that's in, that's in, insulting. Uh, <laughs> that's that's bad when that's like a legitimately debatable um, <laughs> over under. And so, I don't know. I mean, I could see Michigan State coming out with like a 
good scripted first drive maybe and, and moving the ball a little bit. So I'll go with rushing yards. I think they'd slightly outrush their penalty yards. Do you think they overlooked Rutgers? I, you watched I it. Do you get that I, sense? I, okay. No, no way. I mean, because just, just in a vacuum, you know, I know there were the seven turnovers, but even that notwithstanding, like Rutgers outplayed Michigan State in that game. I mean, it, it uh, really, it should have been, the score should have been more than what it was. You know, Rutgers dropped a, uh, Cruikshank dropped a uh, touchdown pass after one of the turnovers, and uh, they missed a couple other opportunities for some big plays offensively that uh, were more their miscue than Michigan State's play. Michigan State just didn't look, honestly, like they just did not look that well prepared. Uh, I was like surprised at how poorly Michigan State looked, uh, to be honest with you. So, okay. Uh, so no. All right. I trust you because, yeah, I'm looking at the box score. Michigan State had seven more first downs, 94 more total yards. So it seemed like one of the maybe a little like that Penn State Indiana game. No, but but no. I I seven turnovers. It should have been twenty one <laughs> to zip. I mean, yeah, it, should, it was a game that that Cruikshank drop would have made it twenty one to zip. Wow, you know, um, it was definitely not the Penn State Indiana deal. Now Michigan State's not going to turn the ball over seven times on Saturday. Right, right, right. But I think I think Rutgers outplayed them either way. Okay. All right, next one, six and a half pass breakups and interceptions by Michigan secondary. So Michigan State will probably throw it enough to warrant. I mean, that seems like a high number. I'm not sure exactly what it was last week, but um, they'll throw it enough to warrant it. I'm going to take the under. I just, I don't know if Neil probably did more research than I did on this, but that just seems like a really high total. Six and a half pass breakups and interceptions combined for Michigan's secondary. So safeties and cornerbacks, Steve under for sure. Last week they had five against a team that theoretically, I mean, I know they didn't pass as much as maybe I thought, but team that theoretically would be in situation like Michigan state where they probably want to pass a lot. 53% completion for all of Michigan state's quarterbacks last week sorry we keep doing this but last week against against uh Rutgers they completed 31 of 43 passes so they they exceeded that but looking knowing what you know about Michigan secondary and how how you think this game will go 53% over or under I'll go under just because I want to say Lombardi completed something like 10 or 11 of his last like 12 or 13 passes in the game. Um, okay. When the so game kind was... of pumped, added a the little, average. A little the bit, a little bit. I mean, I, I didn't hate like what Lombardi did last Saturday. I, I just, they had no running game at all, you know? And so I didn't think he looked like half bad in, in a lot of spots. And like I said, there was the, the interception was totally on the receiver. One of them was totally on the receiver. So, um, but I'll still go under just cause again, it goes back to the, just that matchup up front on Michigan's defensive line on, on uh, Michigan state's offensive line. I feel like it'll be just too much of a matchup uh, advantage for Michigan for them to really generate that much of a passing game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I mean, got to think watching the film from last week's game, Michigan's defensive pass rush, pass rushers, the guys who get the sacks, 
are probably like, all right, going after Lombardi every single time. And so uh, he's going to have some hurried throws. And yeah, if, if you, if you, if it was, if some of those, that 72% completion rate was due to garbage time throw pickups or, or comeback throw pickups, uh, maybe it doesn't, doesn't quite get that high. Nine and a half points by Michigan's kickers. Last week they scored seven. So I think with extra points counting, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over on this because I I gotta think someone's kicking a field goal, right? <laughs> I mean maybe they don't have to, but um I mean I gotta think someone's kicking a field goal. Plus I do think Michigan will be good for at least five touchdowns, maybe more. So um I'm taking the over. I'll go over as well. Kicking situation is interesting. Um, I, it was one of the things I'll be watching. I wrote that was one of the five things I'll be watching on Saturday is, is Quinn Nordine healthy and, right. or, and, and, or was Moody's performance against Minnesota more of a hiccup, you know, or is it a pattern or a sign of things to come? Because you could argue quietly argue that kicking would have been one of the strengths of this team heading into the year, uh, especially in the, the way Nordine finished last year, that uh, they had two really good kickers. And if he's not hundred percent healthy and Moody is struggling all of a sudden, you know, it's not looking that great. So, but I'll go over. I, I do not believe that Quinn Nordine's injury is like very serious. So. Um, yeah. I mean, Harbaugh basically said he expects him to be back. Right. No, week, but so. we'll see if that, translates into hundred percent on the field. You got to assume if Moody went over for three, that if Nordine is healthy, he will be the first one out in the field to kick a field goal on Saturday. You got to think, but um, you know, we'll just have to see, but I'll go over. Yep. Yep. Uh, final one, three and a half points allowed on Michigan state's first three drives. So do they get either two field goals, a touchdown, the many ways you can get to more than three points. <laughs> I, I'm going to say over just because, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many points they're going to score all game. I, I don't think Michigan state's going to get shut out in its first three drives. I, I got to think, I mean, in Minnesota had what 14 in its first three drives. So um, I, I still think this is going to be a game where Michigan pulls away in the second half. So I'm going to take the over. Hasn't Michigan state scored on their first drive the last two seasons in this game. I know they scored or, or they scored first. I'm sorry, but they didn't score right away. All right, never mind. But they, but they've come out with script. I mean, I think you're right. They've come that's out. What with I'm, that's scripted. more what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to actually go with the over two. I, I think they, I do think they have something, some kind of package put together early to try to join, you know, right for a trick play. Right. I mean, this, this, this game early on feels ripe for some kind of confidence building trick play from Michigan state offensively. Uh, I feel like we used to say that every year uh, with Antonio <laughs> that Michigan state was going to run some wacky trick play early to, uh, but this is a game where, you know, Michigan's defense expected to dominate Michigan state's offense. They struggled to run the football. I could just see Michigan state coming out, trying to do something wacky on the first or second drive. So I'm, I'm going to say over. Yep. Okay. So that was all of our over unders. We'll see how we do final thoughts on the matchup and prediction. 
Um, I I don't know. I almost think Michigan State's going to cover. Uh, is it twenty four points? It's twenty four and a half. The last I checked, that was okay. about eighteen hours ago, though. So that, it might be different now. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, it's twenty four and a half still. Um, I just. I don't know. I think Michigan State may sneak a cover in. I don't think Michigan's in any danger of losing this game because, A, they're not going to take Michigan State lightly despite losing to Rutgers, as as bad as losing to Rutgers is in the Big Ten Conference. I don't think Michigan is going to take them lightly. I think Michigan comes out strong, firing. Could be When I say they cover, I think it could be like a late backdoor cover type situation. I just... Michigan too good defensively. I feel like for is the lopsided the matchup is too lopsided. Michigan's defense versus Michigan State's offense for Michigan to even possibly lose this game if Milton doesn't maybe play as well as he did against Minnesota. I guess the best way to put it. So, and and there's no there's nothing to suggest that he won't. He could even play better. Like you said, they may open up the playbook a little bit more for him, but. Just both sides. It's like the biggest takeaway from Michigan last is like they just look so athletic on, on in all three facets of the game. Uh, more athletic than they maybe even did last year. You know, I think this young group is a big part of that, especially offensively. But even a guy like Barrett just looked more explosive and more athletic, purely athletic at the Viper spot. You know, Daxon Hill provided he's back, definitely more athletic than anybody they've had at the safety spot in recent years. So. I'm going to say 40 – I throw out some wacky score here for the heck of it. 43 to 20. I think – like I said, I think maybe Michigan State with a backdoor late. I kind of think the score is similar to last week's game. Um, difference is I feel like Michigan will have control of this game earlier. I do disagree with you that I th- that this is a game that Michigan pulls away in the second half. I think Michigan kind of takes control early and, and uh, doesn't coast, but, like, it's never a game that's in any kind of doubt. I am going to go a little bit more lopsided. I – I like to go position by position. Think what does each team bring to the table? And, and you know, I've mentioned this a couple times. I mentioned this about Minnesota. I think I've already talked about it with Indiana. You know, what, what, what positions does Michigan State have a top five group that Michigan will play this season? Out of eight teams. So really just not being the bottom three. And the only one I came up with, I think defensive line i think they snuck in as number five and then linebacker and so i think i i don't i don't understand how you know you mentioned 4320 i am it's a totally fair projection but when i'm kind of thinking about how this game will unfold i don't see where michigan state's going to score 20 points sure you know looking at this defense and i mean i think there'll be a big play or two that Michigan State gets maybe early on. I think maybe Reed is someone who could, um, I love how I said that, like Stephen A. Smith, Reed, but he, uh, you know, he might get a, a big play here or there. But um, yeah, and, and as far as, I, I do think Michigan's defense or offense, excuse me, will be tested a little bit more this week. But I think it's, as you said, I think they're, I think they're in control. You know, I don't think it'll be 7-7 seven, seven at halftime. I think it'll be a game that Michigan has a pretty comfortable lead, and then they just get to have fun almost in the second half. And so I'm going to go with Michigan 45, 
because I did predict a field goal in there, right? Michigan 45, Michigan State uh, 13. So similar to last year then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think – No, I can see – I mean, Is there any way not to think it's a similar game no, to that? I, I yeah. agree. I, and I, here's the thing is like this whole week or, or, you know, heading into today, it was like not a like uh, – how do you say it? Like a ha-ha, like a Nelson from like ha-ha, you know, about this game this week. It's like really for me was trying to figure out, really legitimately trying to figure out based on what we saw – from both teams last week is really how Michigan state can make this, you know, a, a football game. Cause that, that was really been the biggest challenge. Uh, and like I said, I don't even really mean that like in an insulting way. It was more like, this is a rivalry game that, you know, both teams have had some success in, in recent years, Michigan quietly though, if they win on Saturday have quietly won four of the last five. Right. And, they, and really we go back They're a miracle play and a game in which they had a negative five turnover margin and still had a chance to win the game uh, in the last minute away from winning seven, what, seven straight. I mean, it's, it's the, the line is very thin from this being a potential chance for Michigan to go on a seven game winning streak in this rivalry. Um, So yeah, like the biggest thing was for me, was trying to figure out, you know, what Michigan state can do. And I guess the best, I guess, I think your point earlier, maybe Michigan state's front seven, has some success in slowing Michigan's run game down, forces more pressure on Milton to make plays. He throws a few inaccurate passes, maybe create a turnover or two, and Michigan State can stay in this. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, you know, that that would that would maybe give them a chance in this game because they just seemed outmatched and, and you know, really in every facet. So, yep. Well, anyway, that's what we think. Uh, feel free to let us know. You can also share this podcast or subscribe to it or, Well, you know what? You can listen to it again. I will never tell you what to do with your time. So anyway, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And stay tuned for the Sunday post-game wrap-up in just a few days.